was the reality TV show that captured the attention of the world. A group of very young girls, their overbearing mothers, and a dance coach so intense, some called her methods abusive. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, hello. We are here to talk about one of my favourite reality shows of all time. Dance Moms. Dance Moms. Moms. I, I lived for this show. So did my entire family. I think I actually remember my father sitting down and watching quite a few episodes. It's so funny because I went to say just then like, oh, you know, we wanted to do this because you really loved it and I didn't watch it. But I feel like it's starting to sound like I didn't consume anything when I was a kid because like with the YouTube scandals, I said the same thing. My kind of scandals were always the sort of 90s celebrities <laughs> ones, while yours were far more age appropriate. Yeah, I loved this. I was a Foxtel kid, as the listeners know. And this show really had something. It's kind of weird. Sometimes you see TV shows take off and it doesn't really make sense. Like the premise doesn't sound that interesting. And I think Dance Moms is one of those kind of shows. Well, I wasn't necessarily the one to suggest this scandal mm. simply because I knew nothing of it or the show or Abby Lee Miller. And I, I think there was nothing that felt glittery enough about this scandal for me to want to chase it. And we had so many of our listeners ask for it and you really <laughs> wanted to do it. And I was like, let's do it. And when I started reading the script, I was like, this is all coming together. Like it makes a lot of sense to me. And it is so completely wild. Yeah. This series really has everything. We're doing two episodes on Dance Moms. We are going to cover, of course, the trappings of reality television, but also court cases and a literal stint in jail. This show and its stars were truly something. And that truly something was dramatic AF. <laughs> yes. Let's rewind. We're going to start with Abby Lee Miller, of course. So we're going back to 1965 when she was born. All right, Zara. Abby Lee Miller was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to her father, George, and her mother, Marion. Her mother was a renowned dance teacher, probably not all that surprising. Marion owned her own dance studio, and Abby grew up studying dance under her mother's tutelage. Yeah. Now, according to Abby, her mum never pressured her into dance, but she sort of grew to love it anyway. It's kind of that thing when you're around something enough and you maybe are okay at it, you are going to love it. She watched as her mum opened up several dance studios across Miami Beach, Florida and Pittsburgh and her dad actually ran the financial side of the business so it was very much a family thing. Yeah, so much so that at just 14 years old, Abby Lee Miller started her very own dance company. <laughs> it was made up predominantly of dancers from her mother's studio. She called it the ALDC for short and shortly after forming the ALDC, Abby entered a trio of her dancer friends into a local competition. She choreographed the entire performance and the trio won. Yeah, so from the outset, what I find very interesting about this is Abby didn't seem at least from our perspective to be interested in performing herself. In a lifetime profile years later, she said, I hate to be on stage and never enjoyed performing. That's one reason why I'm a great teacher. I don't envy or compete with my students. 
an interesting quote, <laughs> just given what we know of Abby Lee Miller. But alas, it is true. She didn't like performing. She preferred teaching and she mm. was pretty good at it. Yeah. The original ALDC consisted of 15 students all around Abby's age or younger, which wouldn't be hard given she's 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> she would choreograph group and solo numbers for anyone in her dance company. Fast forwarding a little bit to 1984 when Abby was just 19 years old, she actually took over her mum's Pittsburgh studio. So she now actually had two businesses at the age of 19. She had the Abby Lee Dance Company and the Abby Lee Miller Dance Studio. (laughs) Sure. I mean, it's not confusing at all. Now, after Abby took over the Pittsburgh studio all the way back in 1984, she did run it really successfully over two decades. She educated young dancers, entered them into competitions. Now, I think what's interesting is we don't know heaps about the Abby Lee Dance Company pre-Dance Mums, and it's not probably surprising. Mm. She shot to fame after the show, so what is on the public record of the company before then is pretty skint. But it does feel like Abby Lee Miller ran a moderately successful local dance studio and company for children. Yeah, many of her students actually went on to land professional dancing roles as adults on Broadway and in Disneyland theme parks across the world. Before the show began, it did seem like she had a really good track record for producing adult dancers. It wasn't all roses though. She actually filed for bankruptcy on December 3, 2010. Now this was literal months before Dance Mums came to fruition. As per TMZ, according to legal docs, Abby Lee Miller got into financial trouble after she fell behind in real estate taxes. Her property was teetering on foreclosure. She also claimed customer interest in her studio had waned. Yeah. Now, as per another profile for Abby for Pittsburgh Magazine, Abby says her business was flourishing artistically but not financially when the recession of 2008 hit. I mean, if you're looking for some sort of explanation on what happened there, I also would feel pretty confident that the 2008 recession hit a lot of people Mm. in a lot of different ways. I wouldn't be surprised if it was also as simple as that. I know Abby Lee Miller found herself in quite a few different... Spoilers! Sorry. (laughs) A few different sort of, I'll call them issues for now, (laughs) just so that there are no spoilers. But I could imagine this being as simple as the entire particularly US economy, was capitulating. Yeah, families struggling, dance classes the first to go. Completely. Yeah, regardless of why she filed for bankruptcy, legal troubles, particularly financial legal troubles, would plague Abby from here on out. But put a pin in that one for now because Zara... We need to talk about dance moms. Yeah, so around this time, Abby and her long-term friend, a guy named John Corella, who was actually a professional dancer, had a conversation about the TV show So You Think You Can Dance. I loved that show and I loved the local version as well. Now, when discussing the show, Abby reportedly remarked, they're crazy, they're missing the dance studio experience, the dance teachers, the mum and dance teacher relationship. Yeah. Now, her friend John Carella was so inspired, he actually enlisted the help of executive producer Brian Stinson to brainstorm the concept for Dance Mums. Brian Stinson was originally a casting director at NBC, Fox and several 
several other networks, but he made the leap into becoming the executive producer of the show. Now, the show in its kind of embryonic phase was a little different to the show we came to know and love, or I came to know and love. Yeah, well. (laughs) The original plan was to actually follow five different dance mums who each lived in five different cities. So kind of like Real Housewives. No, because Real Housewives are in the same city. Yeah, not like Real Housewives at all. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what can I compare this to and why am I bothering? Why would they have done this? Maybe the idea was they felt like they wanted to capture different dance studios around the country. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. They're more likely to find the drama if you find that one parent yeah. in every dance studio. Because everyone knows that one parent from the sporting club. The one or parent the, in the netball team. Yes, or, yeah. I can remember mine for <laughs> sure. And not my mother, sorry, but the other <laughs> ones. Now, what actually happened was that Brian and John's favourite dance mums all happened to be located in Pittsburgh. So they decided to focus on Pittsburgh and invited Abby in for an official audition. Now, some of the girls were actually taught by Abby before the show was established. Now, two of the show's biggest stars, Maddie Ziegler, who of course we know, and Chloe Lukasiak were both pre-existing students at ALDC. How lucky is that? Yeah, the production company locked in Abby, locked in the mums and their kids for the show and promptly sold the idea to Lifetime. The original cast was made up of Abby Lee Miller, Melissa and her daughters. Now, these three, Melissa in particular, dare I say, was the most controversial apart from Abby on the show. Her daughters Maddie and Mackenzie Ziegler were involved. Christy Lukasiak and her nine-year-old daughter Chloe, Kelly Highland and her daughters Brooke and Paige. And then last of all, we had Holly Fraser and her nine-year-old daughter Nia, my absolute favourites. The show also featured Kathy and her daughter Vivianne from the rival dance studio Candy Apple's Dance <laughs> Centre. This is such a nostalgic throwback, is all it, of this. Is it really coming back to you? I'm back in my living room in the house that we lived in at the time watching this. Like Candy Apple's Dance Centre were the number one enemy. It's quite the name, Candy Apple's, <laughs> I'll give it that. So I think the natural question was what actually was Dance Mums? <laughs> so as a lot of our listeners might know, the reality TV series followed Abby Lee Miller and a group of her students and their mothers as she prepared them for weekly dance competitions. Now, the mothers would bicker with Abby and amongst themselves, and these conflicts were absolutely the main <laughs> source of narrative for this series. We also, though, Mish, very famously had the pyramid. The pyramid. I think this was maybe the main axis of every episode yes. like you were waiting to see how the pyramid was moving one week to the next it's like Tyra Banks's photos at the end like every show has the thing you had a bad example earlier that was a prime <laughs> example right then iconic from you exactly I would say as iconic in pop culture yeah. as the other now if you're not familiar the pyramid has been satirized actually on TikTok lately as a trend but it was essentially the children's ranking within the team. <laughs> so every week based on their performance, based on their maybe dedication to the dance group, Abby would put them in a certain place in the pyramid. If you're on the bottom tier of the pyramid, no good. Yeah. Keep trying. Probably a lot of abuse coming from Abby Lee Miller. If you were on the top, it meant that you were her favourite golden star. 
Yes. Now, according to Chloe, the pyramid segment of the show actually took hours to film. She said, imagine standing there for two hours listening to your dance teacher talk and more of the time she's telling five out of the six children how horrible they are. Like, going back to earlier when you were kind of recapping who was in the first season of the show Mm. and stuff, the oldest person there is 13 and that was Brooke and she was clearing everybody else by a few years. You've literally got eight to 13-year-olds being told that they're shit. But we're going to get to so much more of that later. But, I mean, that was the essence of the pyramid, as you say. Yeah, and almost every week Maddie was the top of the pyramid and Chloe, bless her, was almost always number two. Yes. So it was like you would watch it and you'd feel for the girls on the bottom. Of course you would. But you'd almost feel for the girl in number two more because Chloe was always second fiddle to Maddie. And that's got to be a key part of the narrative. Oh, absolutely. Now, unsurprisingly, the pyramid was controversial. (laughs) It was harsh. And Abby did cop some flack from the audience because of it. Curiously, though, in an interview with TV Guide from July 2011, that was published as season one was airing, Abby claimed that some of her more controversial teaching methods were enforced on her by the show's producers. She said, I've never done the ranking pyramid in my life. That has nothing to do with me. That's the show. They came up with the whole process. The thing is, I believe that, of course. Mm. As I mentioned before, like every show needs its thing that people think of when they think of the show. So I have no doubt that producers created this. Producers <laughs> did not cre- <laughs> create the words that came out of Abby Lee Miller's mouth when she was kind of ranking the kids, though. No, this is where I find it difficult to kind of take on the narrative from some reality TV contestants. I find this difficult from both Abby Lee Miller and actually every mother who put up with this. Yeah. Like, all of the mums would have known that this was the brainchild of the producers. All of the mums are signing up for their child to be ranked in a pyramid in front of the world every week. Like, you can't really say, oh, it wasn't my idea if you're the one who's still doing it on air every episode. And you're the, like, actually only adult in the room beyond the mums. So you are the one... You know, with reality TV, it's an interesting combo starter, I guess. When people go on reality TV now and they say, oh, my God, I wasn't expecting my words to be chopped up mm-hmm. or whatever. And we're like, but it's been going on for so long. Mm-hmm. Where does your sympathy or non-sympathy lie for someone like Abby Lee Miller, who went on reality TV early but knew exactly the role she was going to play? It wasn't like her words mm-hmm. were probably cut up as much. She had to play this role. It's non-existent. I feel yeah. zero... I don't care. Yeah. If she says that she was manipulated by producers, I think the way she spoke to these children on this show was like inexcusable regardless. And I don't care for the mothers either. I think it would be different if you're putting yourself up there. Maybe you would be more flippant with the kind of risks you would take for yourself. You're putting your like eight-year-old daughter into the firing line on television. You should have a level of care that tells you, in my opinion, that this is not appropriate or good for any child to be put through. Yeah. And I think this will be a conversation we keep coming back to as we go through this two-part series because (laughs) we're only saying this off the back of the pyramid and the pyramid feels like child's play (laughs) compared to some of the stuff that happened on this show. Now, if we're being charitable, it depends what mood we're in, we could describe Abby as a tough teacher, but honestly, cruel, I would say, is a more honest description. She made a habit of pitting other dancers against each other. She yelled at her students. She used racial stereotypes in her dance routines, particularly for her young black dancers. 
Now, in season one alone, there were several episodes that displayed some pretty problematic content. We're going to start by outlining some of the more outrageous storylines from the show, and then we'll chat about how the public reacted. Yeah. For example, in episode two of season one, which was titled Wildly Inappropriate, Viewers saw Abby dress the girls in skimpy two-piece costumes for a number she titled Electricity. They were competing in the 9 to 12 age group. Now, in this episode, Chloe's mother, Christy, says, It's just embarrassing. The girls look like prosty tots. The costume is completely age-inappropriate. The gestures and the movement in this dance are completely unacceptable. I hope I'm wrong, but I just wonder what mixed messages we're sending out to little girls. Yeah, as the girls were getting ready to compete, Abby said, girls, you're wearing two-piece costumes, so either sit down and do 100 sit-ups or paint the abs on one or the other. Uh, I yeah. just, like... What? I know. In the end, the dancers didn't place. And after the judging, nine-year-old Nia even said, maybe it was a little inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, Imagine yes, a girl. Nine-year-old. Yeah. Imagine a nine-year-old being the one to, to be say like, that. Is this right? If you're a nine-year-old thinking that something's a little inappropriate, the reality is it's like completely wildly out of the realm of what is deemed appropriate. In episode seven, so five eps later, Nia's mother Holly voiced concerns about Abby typecasting her daughter as an ethnic dancer. In the episode, Abby retorted, Nia is doing a character piece entitled Laquifa. It's sassy, it's hip, it's head pop. Nia is African-American and I'm trying to teach her different ethnic dances and I'm trying to train her so that when she is in New York or LA and the casting call says ethnic, she can do all of the dances correctly. Hmm. Yes. Uh, let's insert a clip from this episode so you can get an understanding of more of what was going on. All the other girls get feminine, beautiful, whimsical costumes that aren't typecasting them. And you know what? I want her in an afro. Do you have one? Are you kidding me? Oh, I don't have an afro. That's not the black experience that we know. And there's nothing wrong with Laquifa, the Laquifas of the world, but that's not Nia's experience. It is not my experience. Holly wants her daughter to be like every other little girl. Nia has an advantage over everybody else. She can play many different ethnicities. And it's my job to make her capitalize those opportunities. Yikes. Now, speaking to Abby directly, Nia's mum, Holly, said, when I'm looking at Nia, all of her routines, it seems, it's like a jungle theme, a Satan theme. There's a little undertone, a nuance, a little bit of negativity. I would just like something that's a bit more celebratory. Yeah, Abby's response to some of this criticism was pretty abysmal as well. At the time, she got defensive and said, if I send her to an audition, it's going to be an ethnic call. None of the other kids are going to be able to go. If they want to hire an African-American kid, they're going to hire an African-American kid. It's just like horrendous stuff for people to be watching and to happen to a nine-year-old kid as well and for her mum to be the one having to call it up. And also that very first line from what you just read out, if yeah. I send her to an audition, it's, it's going, going to be, be an ethnic, ethnic call. Like no one will want Nia otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrendous. Now, as the Dance Mum seasons continued, this wasn't the last time that Holly would have to call Abby out for typecasting Nia as a young black person. In fact, it's something that came up quite a bit. 
Now, from the very first season, the other thing Abby did was establish a very clear, very toxic competition amongst the dancers, particularly as you touched on earlier, Mish, between Maddie and Chloe. And this became a key narrative point. Yeah, well, Maddie was clearly Abby's favourite. She was, don't get me wrong, I actually think she probably was the strongest dancer in the group. But the level of favouritism towards Maddie was something that I still remember. I still remember the favouritism even towards Maddie's mother, Melissa, and how Melissa kind of bathed in that favouritism and how much she loved it. Maddie often competed above her age group. She often won entire divisions every week. She also, as I said earlier, was the top of that pyramid. Whenever Maddie was knocked off the top, it might have happened once a season, if that. It was like groundbreaking stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting because the comparison to how she treated Chloe was that I guess Abby seemed to have taken on this role to push Chloe to new heights, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. And in one episode, she told Chloe during rehearsal, I don't know why your mother says you have no confidence. You're the cockiest kid I've ever worked with. You just don't have a brain in your head. I expect more from you. Suck it up. The next kid is on speed dial to come to the studio. I'm just like... What? Chloe was, of course, crying as Abby was saying all of this. And keep in mind, she's only eight or nine. She's nine. (laughs) Imagine telling a nine-year-old. You don't have a brain. You don't have a brain in your head. It's so (laughs) wild. I mean, and we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg, guys. We've got so many more dance moms controversies to come. But first, a word from today's sponsor. All right, Zara. So we haven't even talked about the show premiering yet. This is all the stuff happening that's going into season one and it's being edited together. The show itself premiered on July 13, 2011 on the Lifetime Network. Abby Lee Miller was 47 years old at the time that it started to hit audiences. Now, it did pretty well as well. The first episode achieved 1.05 million viewers. And it was growing. By the end of the season, the finale reached 1.8 million people. Yeah, in terms of payment, according to Abby, they didn't get a heap at first. To start with, the dancers received $1,000 per episode of the show. Abby said she herself earned $1,500 per episode. Now, if these figures are correct, it would mean that the girls were paid $13,000 each for season one of Dance Mums, while Abby was paid about just under twenty grand. It's, it's funny because there is still a bit of conjecture about this payment stuff. For instance, Chloe's mother, Christy, claimed that for season one, she was only paid $600 by the production company for the entire season and that Chloe was paid nothing. Very weird. I'm like someone that's not telling the truth. And like regardless, it's not even enough to cover the therapy bills. So So true. Yeah. (laughs) So the show was rating quite well and growing in numbers too. In terms of the public response though, the reviews were mixed to say the least. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Here's one review from Slate. 
The new worst show on television, Dance Mums, an ugly docu-circus featuring a bully of a Pittsburgh dance instructor, the little princesses she costumes as lunatic street whores, and a quorum of strenuously pathetic stage mothers, one of whom warbles that she would slit her wrists if her daughter even thought of trying out for softball. The only good that can come from that show would be for it to motivate a child protection services officer to orchestrate a SWAT raid, condemn the dance studio as public nuisance and deprogram the girls post haste. So that reviewer hated it. Yeah, this reviewer went beyond hating it, I would say, to despising it. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite something. Though there were some positive reviews as well. Linda Stasi wrote for the New York Post, Abby Lee Miller is a woman who don't take no crap from nobody. She is the old school kind of dance teacher who is one step away from being abusive in order to get the most from her students. Since some of her kids are as young as eight, it seems at first over the top, but she's of the mind that if you're going to teach kids anything, you either do it right to get it right or end up with mediocre. Miller is a great genuine TV personality and with any luck, she'll stay that way and not become a caricature of herself. I mean, obsessed with the one step away from being abusive. I mean, I guess we all have different definitions for everything. I mean, Mish, as you've said from the top of this episode, you watched Dance Mums from the beginning. Mm. You didn't miss episodes. What do you remember? Do you remember things from when it first aired? I think the two things I remember are the Maddie-Chloe rivalry and how their mums actually hated each other too. I remember Melissa being a really unlikable person, to be honest. Yeah. I remember thinking... Abby Lee Miller was simultaneously amazing on television and terrible as a person. Yeah, one of those people where it's like, I mean, network execs who aren't really fussed about the, I guess, morality of the show they're putting out would have loved her. And I think this is the tricky thing, right, because I read that review from the New York Post and Linda Stasi and I think that's so true. She was amazing television. But on the balance of, like, what should have taken place, I think her awfulness towards the children overrode her, like, star power on TV. Yeah, very fair. Love it or hate it, though, viewers seem to agree on one thing. It was impossible to look away from Dance Mums. A second season was very quickly ordered and production was underway from mid-2011, Mish. Yeah, season two premiered on January 10, 2012 to a whopping 2.51 million viewers. So it's more than doubled in audience between seasons. Yeah, which is super impressive. In season two, the ALDC welcomed a new mum and daughter pairing, Jill and her daughter Kendall. Kendall was eight years old. Now, if season one was controversial, season two seemed determined to take about 10 small <laughs> steps <laughs> into the <laughs> abyss of controversy. They were like, we see your outrage and we, we double it. It's, it's honestly <laughs> like they would have sat around the table to be like, all right, so we've gone there. How far can we go? Now, we're talking about episode nine right now because, in particular, this was surely the most controversial part of season two, Mish. This has to be one of the worst things to ever happen on reality TV, dare I say. Episode nine of season two was originally titled Topless Showgirls. The episode name was promptly then changed to Costume Drama. Now, I'm going to run you through the episode synopsis. It read as follows. Abby rehearses a group routine that involves the girls using large feathers as props. The mothers are outraged when they discover that the costumes for the dance make the girls appear nude on stage. 
This is absolutely outrageous mm. to me that this happened. The episode originally aired on March 6, 2012, and was obviously immediately met with complaints for how over the line it was. I mean, there's the subject matter, and then there's also the fact that they decided to call it initially topless showgirls. That, like, mm. that is just astounding to me. Now, the costumes the girls were in were so revealing that their parents and even the girls themselves expressed discomfort. Here's a snippet of Abby explaining why she chose this particular dance and the costumes. There's a certain way to hold the fans, a certain way they bend the feathers, a certain way that you have to strategically place the fans. And I wanted to make sure that my girls learn the proper technique because someday one of them is going to be a showgirl. Mm. Now, regardless of Abby's explanation or her maybe defense of why she did this, the judges at the competition that the girls performed at did not agree. In fact, they did not place this number. They did not give it any awards, which for the ALDC was like a big deal. ALDC would win every award all the time. I think, and I think this was shown in the show as well, it was essentially to make an example of why judges didn't want to see this from other dance companies. I mean, fair enough too. Yeah. But it's interesting to me that it had to be the judges to like take the stand to prove the point. The critics were extremely loud. Tracy Egan Morrissey wrote for Jezebel after it aired, you have to hand it to Abby Lee Miller. She knows how to get attention. This week she's doing it by making her preteen dance students wear nude bras for a feather fan burlesque routine. Burlesque. One of the girls in the number is like eight years old. When you instruct a little girl to dance like a man can't afford her, you are quite literally instructing her to act like a whore, albeit an expensive whore, but a whore just the same. And despite the fact that the mothers were seemingly horrified at these non-costumes, they went along with it. It's really interesting. I know we said this in so many episodes. The language. To read how the media wrote about these things yeah. even a decade ago. Or even in a piece that is quite progressive, right, trying to sort of be the voice that's slamming this. It's sort of like not a perfect slamming. It's like we're going to be feminists about this until we get to the concept of a whore. It is clunky. And I think so many of the things that we read from feminist publications at this point in time were clunky when so, it came to topics like this. Completely. Now, just two weeks after the episode originally aired, Lifetime pulled costume drama, the episode, from any and all reruns of the season. The episode is actually still not available to stream anywhere, but we were able to see some snippets on YouTube for research for this series. Now, the crazy thing is that the original airing of this episode pulled in such high ratings that Lifetime actually sent out a press release about it the day after it aired, which stated that the episode had reached 2.7 million viewers. So they were happy to brag about the ratings until they realised that people were probably watching it because they'd heard how outrageous it was. Yeah, they knew that they had put a really clicky, gross title on it. They knew people had tuned in and they only decided to do a total 180 once they're the criticism drowned out the viewership. Completely. So now, Mish, we've got an idea of what Tans Mums was about and some of the key controversies it found itself in in the first season and a half. We need to fast forward a little bit to 2013. Now, the cast of the show were busy filming season four and by that point were kind of staple reality TV stars. Mm. According to Abby, the girls were earning 
$2,000 each per episode by this point, which still feels like peanuts for what they were doing. Yeah. It was actually this season that the tension between Abby and the mums became something that went beyond reality TV entertainment. On November 24, 2013, Abby, the girls and their mothers were backstage at a competition in New York. And as the girls were preparing for their group number, Abby decided at the last minute to remove Kelly's daughters, Paige, who was 12, and Brooke, who was 15, from the number and replace them with these, like, random dances. Yes. These dances that, like, the girls didn't really know who were just being slotted into this routine at the very last second. As you can imagine, Kelly did not like this one bit. However, this time, things got more hated than ever before. I'm going to play you a snippet. It's sort of loud and chaotic, but Emotion. I, w- I want to give you a sense of the vibe. Obviously, she wants someone who has never danced here take both of my kids' place. No, no the kids want to dance. No, Did you just sit here and say that my daughter looks miserable, so maybe we should put Kalani in her place? No, I never said that. Yes, you most certainly did. No, I didn't, dingbat. Listen, I said, Brooke, is your mother Get speaking your for finger you? Do you out want to of be my a... face. Girls out the room. Yeah, girls, you would eat me. Out the room. Out the room. Get away from me. Out the room. Girls, out of the room. Who do you think you are? Girls, out of the room. All of you, out of the room. Now, out of the room. Maddie, you too. All of you, out of the room. No. All She's crazy. No, I'm not crazy. You're eating my face. <laughs> so, so much to unpack here. It actually is a bit terrifying to listen back to. It's chaotic and stressful and entertaining all at once. It is a little bit tricky to describe what's going on in this scene, but we're going to try. While both women are yelling at each other, Abby approaches Kelly and points at her. Kelly then points back. The next thing that happens is very hard to make sense of. Compl- yeah, years later, luck, 10 luck. years later. Abby almost does like a biting gesture. I would say like when a dog's barking and like in a snappy, bitey way, Abby does that towards Kelly like a maniacal dog. Like a forward motion though. It was forward motion, but she wasn't. She's snapping her mouth in the air. Yes, towards the finger, but not over the finger, I think is important. Now, at that point, Kelly appeared to grab Abby's head and pull her by the hair, and that's when it got full physical. It's feral. Like, I don't know what other word. It's This exchange is just feral. Yeah. This episode of Dance Moms aired on Feb 11, 2014, and it was the last episode, surprise, surprise, to feature (laughs) Kelly, Paige, and Brooke, all of whom left the competition after the altercation and never returned to the ALDC. Mm, That wasn't the end of the real-life tension between Kelly and Abby Lee Miller, though, because on March 10, just under a month after the episode aired, CBS ran a story with the headline, Dance Mum Kelly Highland Appears in Bronx Court to Face Assault Charge. The story read as follows. Life just got a little more real for one reality star. As CBS 2's Elise Finch reported, one of the mothers from the Lifetime show Dance Mums appeared in Bronx Criminal Court on Monday. In November, things got physical when the team participated in a dance-off at Lehman College. Highland, a mother of two teen dancers, got into a fight with their instructor, Abby Lee Miller. Highland now faces a criminal assault charge to which she has pleaded not guilty. 
Yeah, the story continued. However, just because the fight was caught on tape, it may not be an open and shut case. In any movie or TV show, if one actor physically abuses another actor because it's a part of the script, it's not considered battery or assault, attorney Rosemary Arnold said. Kelly Highland said that producers deliberately incited her so that she would strike Abby and the incident was part of the script. Arnold said that Kelly Highland would also make a case that she was acting in self-defence. Either way, most people think the case will be resolved quickly. It's an interesting defence to say, Mm. well, if this wouldn't be a criminal charge in a drama, should it be in a scripted reality TV show? And scripted is in inverted commas there. Yeah. It's fascinating that she is making that comparison. Unfortunately for Kelly, the matter wasn't resolved super, super quickly. It was a year later, though, on April 3, 2015, that the charges against her were dropped. As per Entertainment Tonight at the time, Highland will be dismissed of all charges so long as she spends two days in counselling and agrees to stay away from Abby Lee Miller for six months. Yeah, it didn't end there, though, because in February 2014, Kelly and her two daughters filed their own lawsuit against Abby and the producers of Dance Mums, which alleged that the family were mistreated on the show, that their contract had been breached, they were not paid for season four of Dance Mums and were intentionally subject to emotional distress. I think it's this lawsuit for me that proves that though this show was wild and that I'm sure some of the most wild parts were scripted, Mm. there was also clearly a lot of pre-existing and genuine tension that was happening behind the scenes. Yeah. The Hollywood Reporter did a lot of reporting on this lawsuit at the time. We're going to read you some portions of their news story on this lawsuit because it was pretty explosive. As written by journalist Alex Ben Block, Highland said it soon became clear the children on the show were being subjected to abuse and unlawful working conditions. She said they worked long hours without a break, a violation of Pennsylvania labour laws. She says she began to complain about the extreme burden this placed on her daughters during season two of the show. She had her attorney raise the subject, but says she was told they were under contract and she would be sued for everything she owned if she attempted to back out of that contract. The piece continued. The suit charges Miller as being the abusive one, acting like a drill sergeant, shouting and bullying her students, as well as provoking arguments with the mothers in front of the children. Miller screams at the girls in front of the other dancers, mums and production crew, reads the suit, causing them to cry, and then Miller derides them for being emotionally weak when they do. Miller even tossed a chair during a confrontation with Paige. It went on. The suit alleges that this is all part of an effort by the producers and show to generate strong ratings. Daughter Paige began to suffer from anxiety and have panic attacks, according to the suit, and a counsellor at her school concluded Paige was being bullied by Miller. Highland says she found these events offensive, including an episode where the girls wore revealing outfits for a burlesque-style dance routine where Miller directed the girls to make inappropriate gestures to their breasts and crotch. Here's the thing, right? I mean, this is what Kelly Highland was alleging on behalf of her daughters, and I think having watched so many snippets of the show now, that's certainly the vibe that the show was giving off. Depending Mm. on what happened behind the scenes, I think, is, you know, what's at stake here. What confuses me the most is some of the things that Kelly Highland is alleging that her daughter was experiencing panic attacks and anxiety from what season two of the show. This fight happened in season four and that's when they left. You had 
seasons to get off the show and quit and pull your daughters out of that environment if that's the environment you believed they were in. Yeah, and I also think important context for anyone who's listening who hasn't watched an episode of Dance Mums. Maybe you're thinking, well, Kelly only learned about this stuff when it aired and she didn't realise what was going on between her daughters and Abby Lee Miller. Not the case. Every episode had the mothers sitting behind a window into the studio where they could hear and see everything. They were privy to every single interaction. The whole point was to film the mumps and see their reactions to what their daughters were going through with their dance coach. Without any ability to break through the glass. Yeah, unless they were then talking to Abby, which they did in every episode. These mothers saw everything as it was unfolding. So I find it difficult. Don't get me wrong. I feel the utmost sympathy for For the kids. For the kids. Any child involved in this show, I feel so much sympathy for them. The mothers, though, who who sat by and watched this for seasons and didn't pull their daughters out after season one aired, there's no excuse. I don't think there's an excuse. No, I completely agree. On this lawsuit, by October 2015, it was finally settled out of court, but it didn't really end in a way that anyone expected. TMZ reported at the time that the Dance Mums production team and Abby Lee Miller agreed to settle the lawsuit by paying the Highlands $17,500 to replace floors in their home that Kelly alleged were damaged during the filming of the show. It's the most niche resolution. So flooring fees. <laughs> floors got yeah. Now It's so weird. As part of that settlement, Kelly Island and her family also agreed to allow Dance Moms to continue using Kelly Page and Brooke's image in older seasons of the show. So not to blur them out or edit them out of streaming services if the flooring fee was paid. Look, (laughs) I can't imagine this $17,500 flooring fee is going to cover the cost of the legal fees of this lawsuit. No, it's a strange ending to a strange story. Now, this wasn't the end of disturbing dance mums content or headlines. Guys, in the next episode, we're going to check in with the dance mums kids now that they're all grown up. We're also going to talk about Abby Lee Miller's prison sentence, Zara. Yes, because there was one of those as well. (laughs) Guys, we have so much still to talk about. That will all be on the next episode of Scandal. If you want to listen to that right now, you can if you subscribe to Shame More. Our subscription arm of Shameless Podcast, you get all scandals dropped in one go so you don't have to wait a week. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. Scandal is researched by Eilish Gilligan and the audio is edited by Annabelle Lee. It's hosted by you. (laughs) I don't know if I need to add that. That's all for today. Back in your ears on Thursday. Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through 
It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.